I've said it many times, but I began saying it at the outset of this whole thing. The world is going to change. What we knew is not what we will know. It's just going to be different. Here's, here's a thought that crossed my mind that merits our thinking. Hey, have you listened to baseball? Have you watched it? It's a little bit humorous watching it in that you've got pictures, you know, of, of people in the stands that aren't there. I mean big pictures, right? Uh, it just kind of it looks a little thing. They put these images in there, and they put in Star Wars characters and everything, right, out there in the stands. On the radio, you'd hardly know there's a difference. Call a little bit of a baseball game coming home, because on the radio, if you're used to listening on the radio, what, are they, what have they done? They've added in crowd noise. There's no crowd, but they have added in crowd noise. So if you always are used to listening on the radio, you'd, be, you'd swear there's a stadium full of people there. Here's an interesting question. Why do they do that? I mean, people want to listen to the game. Why is it, why, why do they say we need to fill this in, this space, this audio space with something else so that the crowds can, uh, you know, can be heard? It's worth our thinking about that. I particularly think that it's worth our, our thinking about that when we know that Scripture says, you know, it says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Somehow they know that there needs to be people here to fill out what is happening. People need to be in the presence of other people. And um, that's, uh, that's interesting to me, and I want to I think on that, on that further. And then when we get together and we have an opportunity to reconnect, and, oh, it is such an uplifting thing. Today, um, doesn't mean much to you guys, but to me, today, I was uplifted significantly immediately before this service to have affirmed to me yet again that Nathaniel Jan uh, uh, Johnson is the best-dressed man in this fellowship. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you're right. You can see it, can't you? He is the best-dressed, and let me tell you why. We, together, share the same shirt that came off of a rack somewhere, and it's a flowered shirt, and every so often it has worked, we got the same one on. It's like, and any time I put it on, I'm like, I'm wearing my Nathaniel shirt today. I love that dude, okay? He has good style. And then today, he's got a Ron John shirt on. And we, had to, we had to sign the sticker. We had to uh, put it on the board because he gets it, all right? He gets it. Now, the only reason I say that is not to embarrass Nathaniel but about the ability to be with people, just connect a little bit. How, how much, you know, I'm feeling that need to just be able to connect a little bit with people. Left here, I left here Friday, and uh, it was like, okay, I'd been here, I think, up until about 1.30 that I was here. And uh, just filling in because uh, Brenda's gone. Phone never rang and nobody ever stepped in. The only contacts I had with people were the ones I called. That was it. It's just like, well, that was a quiet day. And it's like, that doesn't do it for me. You know, we need to be with each other. So it's wonderful that you are here together in a world that has changed. Now, in all of the changes that have taken place, I've hinted at this, I'm going to hint some more. I hope in about a little better than a month I can be far less vague than I'm being right now. But during the course of this time, speaking about the world changing, during the course of this time, a new idea has come to the front that was born right out of right here. And there are people working on this new idea. And from time to time, I'm going to give you updates in 
whatever ways that I can because I want to invite you to be a part of this. I'm letting you know right now, if it happens, I am truly, and that's only going to happen by God's grace, I, I am truly hoping you will be encouraged that it was birthed right here. When you see how big it is, when you see how significant it has the potential of becoming, when I say birth right here, I mean right here in this room with what we have around here. It's going to be fascinating to see. And it, it got birth because of the vision you have as a church. That excites me. It truly excites me. So if I mention it from time to time, if I reference it, if I tie some things in, I'm telling you up front, I am trying to enlist you to be a part of it, to inform you, to update you. Because the part you have in it will be, will be very, very simple. It is, it'll be so easy. You're going to be amazed at how easy it is. But so necessary that you will share a part with us. And there'll be no financial cost to you. In case you're wondering, is he pushing me for, I've got to come, out, come up with some money? Absolutely not. All right? Won't be necessary. I'll tell you this much relative to this new idea, because that's where we started our thinking, right? Presently, we filed for a 501c3 status, which is a nonprofit status. We have a, a name with a URL, and a website is now being built. And I only tell you that to say it is really moving forward. And it began with you guys. So, I said all of that to make this next statement. In anticipation of the Lord's table next week, you go, well, that was a jump. Well, it all ties together. It ties directly to the Lord's table that, uh, that we have shared. I want to remind some of you uh, that the texts that we're going to be looking at today are very significant relative to the Lord's table, and they're also significant to this thing that is being, that is being built. Also, for those of you who are at home, can I encourage you that next Sunday, I hope you'll be with us if you don't feel free being here. I hope you'll be with us online, but remind you again, prepare at home to share the Lord's table. Have the elements available to you. If you do not have access to them, we will get them to you. But when we go through the, move through the service, we want you to celebrate it with us, not just watch it. Because the Lord's table is meant to be shared, to be something we each experience personally and, and where God meets with us. It's not something you watch. Okay? So please, let us know if, uh, if we can get that for you. So I'm going to go back again because it ties in. I have referenced Genesis 3.15 a number of times, weeks recently, but I have not read it. But today I need to. You know, if you've been with me, that uh, I reference this all the time because it is singularly foundational to everything that follows in the Scriptures. Everything that follows. Genesis 3.15, after Adam and Eve had sinned, they'd been told that they would die uh, this curse is placed upon the serpent. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And as we have said many times now, we just say it without quoting the verse, that is the first promise in Scripture of a coming Redeemer. You need to have that in your understanding of your Bible. That's part of the reason I review it. Need to put that in your minds. Genesis 3.15, the first promise of Christ's coming. All right, so, so we have that. But then there's this other little line that has slipped in there, because you know the story. We're not going to take the time to read the story. You know the story. When they, um, or I should say the history, when they sinned, they covered themselves with leaves, 
trying to deal with their shame in the only way they knew how. And then there's this little line that is slipped in there that if you're not careful, you miss. Because, you know, all the kids' books, they show them in leaves. It's this. Also, for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. With that, I wanted to give you the sense as to why I've called this promises or pictures and promises. See, a picture is being drawn for us there about a promise which is being made. The picture you have there of Adam and Eve and they're being taken out of the, hey, the, the leaves aren't going to do it. You need to wear an animal skin. What we see there is a picture of substitutionary atonement. You see, God is saying to them, the idea of covering yourself with leaves will never do. You have sinned. And I told you, death is going to happen as soon as you do. And it did. Now, they didn't physically die immediately, but there's death that, that came around them, and we're going to look at that again from a different angle in, a, in just a little bit, a few weeks. Um, but what God is saying is, plant can never do it. There needs to be guiltless blood shed in order to deal with the penalty of your sin. Guiltless blood. So he takes an animal that has done nothing, nothing immoral, nothing wrong, and probably an animal that Adam himself has named, has known personally, held, right? He puts that animal to death, and out of that fashions the tunics. To always be a reminder that a guiltless blood atonement must be made. Well, where ultimately do we have the guiltless blood atonement? Jesus Christ, Genesis 3.15. Pictures and promises that are unfolding for us now. We have numerous accounts of this in Scripture. I want to look at just a, a, a few more before we actually get to our text for today. In Genesis chapter 6, again, six, Genesis 6 to 9, whether you know it or not, you know it. Because you've all heard the story of Noah and the flood. And you know that the earth was evil, that man was violent, and God said, I've had enough, I'm going to clean this off, start anew. There's all sorts of things behind that we don't have time to go into. But in Genesis 6, 8, we read this. In the midst of all of this horrific stuff, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And the story unfolds. He builds the ark God told him to build. God brings him the animals, and those that are in the ark, those that are in the ark are saved. And the rest of the land animals are saved dead in judgment. Second Peter tells us something about that and ties it into what we're talking about here. Second Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to preserve for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. And we have here the question of the safety that existed within the ark. It had to be in the ark. There were those who were invited. He was a preacher of righteousness. Nobody else wanted to come. 
I sense they probably laughed at him. Thought, that, that crazy Noah has been working on that ark for 120 years. They'd never experienced rain prior to that. They thought he was nuts. Didn't want anything to do with him. But Noah and his family was saved through the judgment. But you had to be in the ark. So God's making it clear this pictures and promises of who this coming Messiah will be, that there's going to be a place of safety. But you've got to be in the safety that God provides. You can't stay out there and, and go, yeah, well, you know, Noah, uh, I, I'm trying these new flotation devices. Got these things called pool noodles. I think they'll work for me. Not going to happen. Because when God's judgment comes, God's judgment comes completely and the only place is safe is the safe that place that is safe that he provides. Luke chapter 17 verse 26 tells us a little bit more about that. And as it was in the days of Noah so it will also be in the days of the son of man. Now we're talking about yet a future time. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And Jesus lays that out there as a future judgment. He said, there's another judgment coming. God's not done. You know, you understand if, we're, if you're following with us, this, what began in Genesis ends in Revelation. It's, it all moves through time, space, history as we know it. He says, there's a time coming when judgment is coming again. And his point is, in pointing out Noah, his point is that... Um, it's going to come as suddenly as it did during the days of Noah. Every bit is suddenly. People are going to be caught off, off guard. They're going to be doing the stuff they normally do, not paying attention to the things of God, not caring that there is a creator God in the universe who has told them, look, <laughs> this can't go on forever. I'm showing you where the safety is. It's in the person of my son. And the people are going, forget about it, not interested. And the day will come when there's no more time left. And they will they will be lost. That's sad. So that's Genesis chapter 6. Then we come to Genesis chapter 22. Magnificent. You see these just springing up all over in here. Genesis chapter 22. Again, an account that you know of. I'm going to take a little time to read it, though, to get us up to speed. Genesis chapter 22. Abraham has been asked to sacrifice his Son of promise. So when you hear the reference to his only son, it's this son of promise. There's only one son of promise. And he's been asked to, to sacrifice him. So Abraham, verse 6 in chapter 22, took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on, his, on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? for a burnt offering. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. 
Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, you have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing I will bless you and multiplying. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Hear this, in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Understand, friends, that through that account there's pictures and promises that just jump out at us. Do they not? What do you see? When you picture, first of all, the references twice to Abraham's only son. There was another son, but he wasn't the son of promise. That's the one that God had blessed. That's the one that everything revolves around. What do you see when his son, his son, is carrying the wood of the place of sacrifice up the hill? Do you see Jesus carrying the crossbeam? as he goes up Golgotha? Absolutely. That is a picture and a promise that this one promised in Genesis 3.15 is one day going to carry his own place of sacrifice. And he's, the imagery is so real. And you see the willingness of the father to sacrifice his son. This is what I got to do. This one whom he loves, and he's ready to sacrifice him. Wow. But God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He was willing to sacrifice his son on our behalf. And then we've got this whole question, this whole substitutionary thing. See, because nowhere does God ever, now he asked Abraham as a test, but nowhere does God offer human sacrifice to himself other than the guiltless blood of Jesus Christ, the only place. Okay, It's the pagan religions that sacrifice humans, but not God, only his son who willingly went to the cross with his guiltless, uh, with his guiltless blood. And um, picture the ram caught in the thicket, right? the one who would be the sacrifice that day, because there was going to be a blood sacrifice that day, and picture the ram with his head caught in a thorn bush. You recall, the Lord Jesus Christ wore a crown of thorns on that day. And then God makes this magnificent promise in verse 18. This is so significant. When Abraham had obeyed, and he says, in you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. You need to understand that significance, friends. Because, here's what he's saying. He's confirming to Abraham something he'd already told him, but now he's confirming it. Abraham, remember the promise of a coming Messiah? Remember Genesis 3.15? Abraham, he's coming from your descendants. And he will be the one who redeems all nations. Phenomenal promise in this amazing picture. 
and we watch the account move on. I have a number of references from Genesis chapter 37 with Joseph. I'm going to just pass on those for now because the clock tells me, hey, you've got to keep moving here. So I'm going to do that. Uh, if you want to ask me for them later, I'll gladly give them. They're right here. Uh, I want to come now to ultimately back to Exodus, where we've already read. Exodus chapter 12. In Exodus chapter 12, we have a magnificent picture and promise. Unbelievable in what is here. So we recall what we just read. They're going to put the blood on the doorpost, right? They're going to put the blood on the doorpost, and then as they, as, as it's the night of judgment that's going to happen upon all of Egypt, what do they need to do? They need to get inside the house. You have to be in the house with the blood on the doorpost because when the destroyer comes through, the destroyer is going to look at the blood on the doorposts and then pass over that house. No blood on the doorpost or if you're outside and the destroyer takes the firstborn. Think about this. Here's what we read. In verse 5 we saw that the, the one which was sacrificed had to be without blemish. See, that, that was emphasizing Christ's guiltless blood. He would be the perfect sacrifice. That's what's being pictured. And to give something less than the perfect sacrifice is destroying what God is ultimately saying he's going to do. So that just was not allowed. I had a, I had a privilege about, I don't know, it was I don't know, five weeks back now maybe. I had a privilege to being out at... Uh, at, at Porter's Whitetail Farms and making preparations for a wedding of a precious, precious young couple. And it came time, they said, hey, we got a, we got a bottle feed, you, you know, one of the deer. Can I, you want to come? Love to come. Right? That will be fun to see how that works. Well, by the time we're done, here I am holding a fawn buck that they are bottle feeding this fawn buck. Now, why are they bottle feeding this fawn buck? If I'm wrong, Dylan, you correct me afterwards. We don't have time for you to straighten me out now. Because they believe that that farm buck, they've looked at it, they know its lineage, that is going to create an amazing rack. And so now they bottle feed it so they can handle it and it gets used to them. Because if this grows up to be one of their 400 plus point racks and they've got some, you don't want to be near it in the rut. You don't, you know, it's like, ah, you want to get close to that thing. It will destroy you. But they believe it's, got, it's perfect for what they need. And so they're giving it extra care. Don't you believe that those who are going to sacrifice their livestock for this, that who wants to kill their best lamb? <laughs> those are the ones you're hoping to build your stock out of. And God says, that's the one that I get. And by faith, they're being asked to give that best from the flock for them. Because it pictures the guiltless blood of Jesus Christ. So that's verse 5. In verses 7 and 13, we have this idea of the Passover during judgment, which I've mentioned repeatedly, so you get it. They need to be protected by the blood. As with the ark, they needed to be in the ark. It was the only place of safety. God is saying, there's a place of safety. Judgment is coming. It's going to come across all of Egypt. But there's a place of safety in the house with blood on the doorpost. In the house. 
Oh, don't worry, Moses. I got a hazmat suit. It's a new thing they've come out with, right? I'm going to be totally covered. I'm not worried about anything. Gone. Will not protect you. There is one place of protection under the covering of the guiltless blood. Do you see that, friends? Do you see that what God is picturing and promising, that when that perfect lamb comes and truly does offer the sacrifice, there is one place of safety. You can't make your own up. God's bringing the judgment. God provides the safety. And it's under the blood of this perfect lamb. Nowhere else. Verse 12 referenced, we read it. Verse 12 referenced that he was going to destroy and bring judgment upon all the gods of Egypt. Wow, how powerful is that? That's again, that's a picture, that's a promise of what Christ will do. As we're told in Ephesians, you know, he's going to put all principalities of power under him. They're going to come his footstool. That's the promise. That's the picture. Remember when he's going to, uh, he's going to, speaking to the servant, um, you'll bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. That's the crushing of the head. And God is saying, here, I'm going to give you a picture of what I'm going to do ultimately when the perfect lamb comes and through him, and I'm going to destroy all principalities and powers because we know that's really what we're up against. That's the battle going on in the world around us, whether you can visibly see it or not. It is real. And Paul tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And God gives this picture and this promise that when Jesus comes, he's going to take care of all of it. And nobody will withstand him. And you know that even Pharaoh was considered a god and Pharaoh lost his firstborn. But here's what's intriguing, at least to me personally, in terms of where I began, about where we are hoping to go, coming right out of this worship center. It was to be, in verse 24, an ordinance forever, that when your children ask, and why do we do this again? This is when the Lord delivered us from the Egyptians, and with the blood he passed over us. He says, this is to continue on and so from then on, the nation was to celebrate the Passover. This moment, but the important thing is to remember, this moment of this place of safety under the blood of the guiltless lamb, this moment is a picture and a promise of the ultimate lamb who will come and provide the real safety, the only safety that, can be, that we can have. Everything else is a placeholder. Everything else is a placeholder. Here's where the real safety is found. And so every year, first of the month, pull it aside on the 10th, sacrifice it on the 14th, and they would relive this and be reminded. So, I want to just tie this in, if you will, that will allow me from 1 Corinthians Chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. Paul's, the, the, the Corinthian church has really struggled with corruption within the church. They had a hard time with that in, in many ways. And this, this particular part of the passage is very clear. And uh, he says, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? And here, because they got all the leaven out from, on the night that they fled, 
uh, the leaven from their bread, they had unleavened bread, and, and it was to remind them ultimately to clear out their lives, okay, of everything that will seep in and ultimately destroy you and grow and fester. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. So if you're wondering, well, Gary, you're making this connection between the Passover and Christ. Scripture makes the connection. We're on solid ground here, friends. We're on solid ground. And I want you to understand these things because you're going to need to take them with you one day. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Get out the garbage. Don't need the wickedness and the malice. We need to be living from a different place. I had a blessing this week. Guy about rolled me over. Okay, with his cart in, uh, in Menards. And I was so focused on reading his t-shirt, I didn't see who was ready to roll me over. Okay, because my friend Rick Smith, and I'm like, I could see the, di- oh, that guy's got something about Jesus on his t-shirt. And I realized, he's coming right at me. What's going on here? <laughs> All right. And I hadn't even looked up to see who it was. But we had the privilege of, of hiding around a corner and making sure no Menards people were watching us because we got caught once with our masks down. And then they said, oh, we've got to keep our eyes on. I said, no, you have to have your mask up. Okay, all right. So we did. But, um, but, but Rick expressed something that I, that I feel the same thing, and, I, and maybe many of you do. As you look around us right now in the world as it is right now, there's so much clamoring so much people not getting along. People who should be on the same team, moving in the same direction, and they don't get along. We're being torn apart over so many different things right now. And, and Rick was like, it shouldn't be this way. I totally agree with him, because it's, it's exhausting to always be in that place. But here's the thing. If we understand about putting off the old leaven, because Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Here's a thought we might want to take with on that, friends. And so we see all of the rancor going on around us, and what concerns me is that it might seep into our families, seep into our church family. That's what frightens me, as we remember that we're putting off the old leaven of malice and wickedness. They got to go. Malice and wickedness got to be gone. The world will spin around those things. You can watch it. You can watch it, you can see it, but that's not where we're going to come from. We, instead, are coming from a place of sincerity and truth. Wow, that's a real challenge, right? To come from the place of sincerity may actually require us to come before the Lord and say, Lord, examine my heart. Where am I really coming from? What's really motivating me? Because I may be spun up on some things and, and the idea of a loving, kind spirit maybe got away from me a long time ago. So there's that one thing. It requires some self-examination that, that the, hopefully the Holy Spirit will bring to us. And that's hard. It's hard, particularly when everything's so up for grabs. The second thing is not only that our attitude is right, but that we're building what we're building on truth, the truth of the Word of God. That's got to be our, 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 
our standard by which we measure everything. Has to be. Has to be. And we will say that readily. We say it, yes, I stand for the word of God. But it's also why we spoke last week on Romans 14. Well, what does it inform us about these places where everything is up for grabs and how we might speak to one another, how we might deal with one another? Just some thoughts to think about because it's easy to say, I want to stand on the word of God until the word of God begins to convict us. Oh, uh, hey, when that happened, I want the word of God to convict you. Let me alone. But it convicts all of us, friends. So anyways, all of that is to say, Next week, we're coming together for the Lord's table. We're going to actually be tying into something that goes all the way back to what we've talked about here. We've mentioned that before. I want to remind you of it because it will become significant to you, I hope. But what about the possibility? How's this? Rather than just rushing through life and coming to the Lord's table and either, oh, I forgot to have it in my home, if we're on camera, doing it online, rather, uh, or rushing till we get here and then there it is, okay, we did that, boom, we're on to the next thing. What about if we spent the next week and asked God this one question? Lord, will you help me clean out the old leaven of wickedness and malice that may be in my life anywhere, wherever it is. Instead, help me come from a place, Father, of sincerity and truth. You do the work in me, Father. So that next week, come and it's like wow entering into the Lord's table has been new and fresh and good and not just perfunctory wouldn't that be amazing so may God do a work in each of us beginning right here because I probably need it more than anyone let's pray Father thank you thank you that you are so good Lord thank you that you are gracious and kind thank you Father that in Jesus Christ we have affirmed from your word that that is the safe place there is no other safe place. His guiltless blood that goes before us, Father, is what protects us from your judgment. Lord, we want to stand on that. We, want, we believe that. We offer no other solution for the problem of our sin other than the guiltless blood of Jesus Christ. But Father, we also need to, we know you're asking us to move to that next step and to get out the leaven, to now let that, his sacrifice so affect us and so impact us that we would rather be working from sincerity and truth, Lord, with no wickedness and malice at all being a part of our experience. So examine each of our hearts, Father. Open us up to that work which you would do in us and uh, bring us back together next week with anticipation and joy because you have done that cleansing work in us, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.